Excerpts from the Language of Faith by William G. Sinkford. Many Unitarian Universalists I know are bothered by the use of the word God. I understand that. When I came to Unitarian Universalism, I was an ardent, some might say even rabid humanist. If you had told me as a teenager that at age 56 I would be an ordained minister using religious language in this pulpit and have a prayer life that centered on thankfulness and gratefulness to God, I would have laughed out loud. The humanist tradition was mine for a long time. But we don't have this all permanently figured out at any discrete moment in time. In my case, it was direct experience of something I hadn't counted on. The kind of direct experience of transcending mystery and wonder, which we also affirm as a source of our faith tradition, that changed my mind. It was in the midst of a crisis. My son Billy, then 15 years old, had overdosed on drugs and it was unclear whether he would live. I sat with him in the hospital. I found myself praying. First, the selfish prayers for forgiveness. It was a time not made for the too many trips, for the many things unsaid, and sadly, for a few things said that should never have passed my lips. But as the night darkened, I finally found the pure prayer. Prayers that asked only that my son would live. And late in the evening, I felt the hands of a loving universe reaching out. The hands of God, the spirit of life. The name was unimportant. I knew that those hands would be there to hold me, whatever the morning brought. And I knew, so I cannot tell you how, that those hands were holding my son as well. I knew that I did not have to walk that path alone, that there is a love that has never broken faith with us and never will. My son survived, but the experience stayed with me. That is my experience and my vocabulary for that experience. But religious language doesn't have to mean God talk. And I'm not suggesting that Unitarian Universalism return to traditional Christian language. But I do feel that we need some language that would allow us to capture the possibility of reference, to name the holy, to talk about human agency in theological terms, the ability to humans the ability of humans to shape and frame our world guided by what we find to be of ultimate importance. Some questions you might ask by Mary Oliver. Is the soul solid like iron? Or is it tender and breakable like the wings of a moth in the beak of an owl? Who has it and who doesn't? I keep looking around me. 
The face of the moose is as sad as the face of Jesus. The swan opens her white wings slowly. In the fall, the black bear carries leaves into the darkness. One question leads to another. Does it have a shape like an iceberg, like the eye of a hummingbird? Does it have one lung, like the snake and the scallop? Who should, why should, why should I have it? Why should I have it and not the anteater who loves her children? Why should I have it and not the camel? Come to think about it, what about the maple trees? What about the blue iris? What about the little stones sitting alone in the moonlight? On Thursday, on Thursday, I drove to Dedham, Massachusetts for communion. A Unitarian Universalist Christian communion, complete with bread and wine, taken as a symbol of the ministry and teachings of Jesus of Nazareth some 2,000 years ago. Why, you might ask, would you drive three hours for that? I will admit that I went primarily because I was invited to participate in an important discussion with a group of colleagues, but there was more to it. I accepted that invitation with joy because I had a deep hunger that needed to be satisfied in a community of people whose theology I could affirm and trust. I had a deep hunger to encounter the sacred with my senses, to taste, smell, and feel the holy. I had a need to feel in my hands the cup of wine, to smell the freshly broken bread, to taste the spirit offered me by a colleague, to look into the eyes of another and offer them that spirit in return. I had the need to participate in a ritual that allowed me to feel a part of a stream of history that runs back to a major prophet whose teachings I admire and follow. But it was just a piece of bread and some wine, you might be thinking. You could have gone to dinner at a nice Italian place and tasted those same things, right? And that history, that stream of history, it's full of problems. Oppression, injustice, wars fought in the name of Christianity. It's a polluted stream filled with problems. True. I drove to Dedham to participate in a Unitarian Universalist Christian ritual of communion, knowing all of those things and still hoping that I would find something holy, something sacred there. I drove to Dedham to be part of a community of worship, hoping that the company, as much as the actions, would connect me to a spirit larger than myself. I was not disappointed. And so today I ask each of you, where is it that you go to seek the holy? What is it that you do to experience the sacred? How do you renew and refresh your spirit. These are words that might make some of you here today uncomfortable, just as the thought of your minister receiving communion might make some of you today here uncomfortable. 
For a little while, I'd like you to sit with that discomfort. Whatever theology you have come to embrace, whatever your spiritual or religious background, whatever spiritual wounds you might or might not come into this place of healing with, I believe that each of us can seek to connect with something greater than ourselves. You might call it God, as I do. You might choose another word entirely. You might have decided that traditional religious language, God, holy, spirit, sacred, has been so thoroughly perverted throughout our history that you have no room left for it in your life. If so, I hope to convince you otherwise. In doing so, perhaps you have thrown out traditional religious concepts as well. And if so, I believe you're missing something. I think there's power in embracing the holy, in seeking the sacred, in feeling the spirit. And today I'd like to explore these concepts just a little bit. What is holy to you? What is sacred to you? What do those concepts even mean? To start, we can go back to the roots of those words. The word holy comes from the Old English word hall, which means whole, complete, uninjured. From that same word today, we get the word health. Sacred. Sacred comes from the Latin sacrum. It was usually used in Latin to refer to places of worship. But interestingly, sacrum is also the word that we get, that we use for the the name of the bone at the base of our spine, at the center of our pelvis, the sacrum. That bone was in old days referred to as the sacred or strong bone. So in thinking what is sacred to you, perhaps it might be useful to think about what it is that is central to your being. What is it that forms the foundation of your spirit, the foundation of your being, like the sacrum forms the foundation of your spine? Now, this has become sort of a theme with me um, this year. I I think... um, encouraging you to connect with the Spirit, encouraging you to connect with something greater than yourselves, encouraging you to see something greater than yourselves in the universe, whatever it is that you choose to call it, is sort of a theme with me. Because I think it's important that we come together in community and encourage one another to have a spiritual life together. It's important because otherwise we would just be a country club of people who enjoy being with one another. And I have no problem enjoying being with one another, but that's not exactly why we're here. Otherwise, we might be a social action club of people dedicated to important issues and changing the world. And believe me, I think that's important. You know that I do. But that's not the sum total of why we come together to be with one another. We come together to be with one another to find something greater together, to find a deeper meaning. And I think that there's importance in finding that something greater, no matter what it is that you call it, no matter what theology you situate that something greater in. I think it's important that each of us understand that we as individuals 
are not the ultimate thing in the universe. There are connections that we are a part of, some of which we don't understand. And that wherever we go, whether we're in the woods chasing the whippoorwill at night or in a crowded room, we are not alone in this universe. We exist connected to one another. We exist connected to nature. We exist connected to something that holds us, something that is greater than us. In Judaism, the term most commonly translated as holy, Kadesh, denotes something set apart from the rest of existence. The Sabbath, for example, is holy time. It is set aside from the rest of the week with particular rules for a particular purpose. We, too, set things aside as holy. At the beginning of our worship, for example, you heard Patricia ask you to set aside this hour of the week as different and special. Perhaps we should just use the word holy in our introduction to describe what we are trying to create together in dedicating this place at this time to a particular set of questions, to a particular way of being, to a particular way of looking at the problems and the promises of life, we are making a commitment to the holy in our gathering together. That word holy and the word sacred have also come to mean things that are associated with the divine. And here we come into theological problems for those among us who reject the notion of anything supernatural. But today, I ask even you to find something that is divine. Even if that doesn't have to mean something you call God, even if that doesn't have to mean something that is supernatural, I myself don't believe in a supernatural force at work in our universe. And as nature turns to spring, as the days get longer and the plants emerge from the ground, I am forced to locate divinity all around me. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote of the oversoul, of the highest that dwells within us. The soul's health, he wrote, consists in the fullness of its reception. Health, the wholeness of our being, the holiness of our being, consists in the fullness of our being able to receive something that is greater than ourselves and our being able to connect with the, the mystery and wonder in the world that is all around us. And I guess I want to ask you to define, to, to find the divine in order to know something as holy. I want to ask you to find what it is that you consider of ultimate importance, of ultimate connection. Call it whatever you will but find it and feel it. Religions throughout time, including Catholicism and Protestant Christianity, have argued about whether holiness and sacredness are available to human beings, whether they are tangible things, things that we can know and touch and feel, or if they are things knowable only to some being that is not human. On this issue, I tend to say that the holy and the sacred must be tangible things. 
Emerson and his transcendentalist friends Thoreau included believed that the holy and the sacred were directly accessible to every person. The sources from which we claim to draw our Unitarian Universalist faith, those sources printed on page one in our hymnal, they reflect this belief. They include at their very beginning direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces that create and uphold life. Former UUA president Bill Sinkford understands this transcendence personally. Some decade ago now, he led our Association of Congregations into a deep discussion of the language that we were using in worship. Today's first reading that Erica shared with you was from a sermon he gave in 2003 in which he opened up that discussion. Bill, you see, experienced the holy directly through prayer and a particularly troubling time in his life, praying for the wellness, for the wholeness of his son who had overdosed on drugs. Bill experienced a connection to the universe that he had not been able to describe before. And from that experience, he concluded, I do feel that we need some language that would allow us to capture the possibility of reverence, to name the holy, to talk about human agency in theological terms, the ability of humans to shape and frame our world guided by what we find to be of ultimate importance. We must, whatever our theology, put that human agency into theological terms because we are more than a social club or a social action group here. We must, each of us, on our spiritual journeys, wherever they have led us, find that connection to something that is of ultimate importance and find the language to name that thing. So I ask you to do a little struggling with that, to do a little sitting with that, and to tell me what is the language you use to capture the possibility of reverence in your life, to connect with something that you find to be of ultimate importance. Where is it that you find the holy? How is it that you experience the sacred? Where is it that you feel the presence of spirit in your life? Where is that spirit embodied? Perhaps in the swan opening her white wings, in the blue iris poking its head up in the spring. Where is it that you get to touch and feel that spirit moving through you. For me, most recently, that took place around a dining room table in the parsonage of First Church in Dedham, Massachusetts, a Unitarian Universalist congregation founded in 1638, sharing bread and wine with colleagues whose ministry at that moment was to all of those gathered for communion. The spirit was present in the eyes of my friends who offered me with love the sacred ritual of the Christian tradition. It was present in the loaf and in the cup, ancient symbols of the ministry of Jesus. But it was also present in the fresh air 
of the warm day that we had on Thursday, in the laughter shared with my friends before and after our gathering, in the loving greetings of the parsonage's resident dog. Holiness abounds. It's not difficult to find it. It is, however, in our world today, difficult only to stop long enough to recognize the sacredness that surrounds us, the holiness that we are a part of, the spirit that moves through us with each breath. And so today, we pause. We pause to feel those things. We pause to recognize those things. We pause to name those things as difficult as the language might be sometime. Blessed be.